Emily Kaplan as one of our trusted hockey reporters. I want to start here. If you had to pick the most interesting storyline of the season so far, what would you go with? Harry, it's just been a season of dramatic swings. And I think it's accentuating the cutthroat business of the NHL. Since the end of last season, there's been 13 head coaching changes. That's just insane. And one of those teams has been the Edmonton Oilers, who probably best exemplify this theme. To enter the year, they had massive expectations. When you looked at our hockey experts at ESPN, 15 out of 24 of them thought they'd win the division. And you have to keep in mind that that's the same division as the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. The Golden Knights start to celebrate on their bench. Connor McDavid was the odds-on favorite to win MVP again. He's the best player on the planet, and he's flanked by another top five player on the planet in Leon Dreisaitl. And according to Vegas, they were tied for the second best odds to win the Stanley Cup to begin the season. But you begin this year, and it's abysmal. They lost 10 of their first 13 games to the point where people are questioning if Connor McDavid ever has a chance to even win in Edmonton, or if he's cursed there. And that will be all for this one. The final score at Rogers Place today, Nashville 5, Edmonton 2. So they fire their coach, they settle in, and then they almost go on a record-setting win streak. And the Oilers now are back. Harry, it's been a wild ride. It's a really fun ride. And again, I think it's emblematic of this juicy NHL season we've had so far. Despite huge expectations and two of the top five players in the world, the Edmonton Oilers got off to a disastrous start, finding themselves near the bottom of the standings. But after a coaching change, suddenly they started winning and winning and winning. So today, our NHL expert Emily Kaplan explains how the Oilers found their way and gauges whether they're ready to get to where they always intended to be. I'm Harry Lyles Jr., It's Wednesday, February 21st. This is ESPN Daily. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Okay, Emily, let's unpack some of the things you just brought up. Take us back to the start of the season and what went wrong with the Oilers. So, Harry, they begin the season with an 8-1 to loss to Vancouver. And we probably should have viewed this as the first time that the Canucks were going to be a threat this season. They're one of the big surprises. They lead the NHL in points as we record this. But it was still really embarrassing. And after the game, McDavid talked about how humbling it was to see Vancouver bring out their top power play unit at the end of the blowout. But, you know... Teams want to make a statement against the Oilers. They want to show that they can beat a team that has Connor McDavid on it. But things really snowballed from there. 
after the first month of the season, they're tied for the worst record in the NHL. Their defense is super leaky. Their penalty kill couldn't stop anything. And the goaltending, which is probably the biggest issue, it's just a mess. You have Jack Campbell, who was just one year into a five-year, $25 million contract, and he just looks like a shell of himself. And then you have Stuart Skinner, who emerged as the guy last year, and he didn't look much better. And they combined for a save percentage of 866, which at the time ranked 32 out of 32 teams in the NHL. And so they end up waving Campbell and sending him to the minors. And after one of those losses, Harry, Connor McDavid says, it's just a death by a thousand cuts. It's just death by a thousand cuts. You know, like that's what it feels like. It's just, you know, like one one mistake and it costs us another little mistake and, you know, kind of just snowballs. And And unfortunately, I have covered a lot of Connor McDavid's uh, career so far. And this emo version of Connor McDavid is one that I've seen many times. This is a guy, all he wants to do is win, and he hasn't been able to get over the hump. And it's just not fun for him. He just wants to win. And it's hard to see him this way, but it's just kind of the state that he's in. And McDavid, by the way, in this abysmal start, he missed two games with an upper body injury. Even when he came back, it was so clear that he wasn't 100% healthy. There were a few games that he wasn't taking face-off. That's usually a tell. So he had an eight-game goal drought, which is very unusual for him. And you described it as a snowball effect. What do you think was the tipping point for ultimately getting to a place where they're firing Jay Woodcroft? Harry, it has to be this November 9th game against San Jose. San Jose is one of the worst teams in the league. They're trying to tank by design. They're starting their rebuild now. And when they met up with the Oilers on that night, they had the two worst records in the NHL, and the Oilers lose that game. And I think management said, enough is enough. We need some kind of change. I don't think that they thought Jay Woodcroft alone was the problem. It was more so that the team just needed a spark because they were in this malaise that they couldn't get out of. And so they bring in Chris Knobloch to help this team. Prior to this, he had only done two seasons as an assistant with the Flyers. A bit of a gamble to bring him in midseason like this, right? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, first, I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room. Chris Knobloch was Connor McDavid's junior coach. And there's this perception that this was orchestrated decision by McDavid. Another note here is that McDavid's longtime agent, Jeff Jackson, switched jobs this past summer and is now a top executive in the Oilers front office. So the perception from the outside is Connor McDavid isn't happy. Connor McDavid isn't winning. And so he's going to go hand pluck a guy that he knew from back in the day and he's going to help him win. Connor McDavid absolutely hates this perception. Even though he is unequivocally the best player in the world, he doesn't like the idea that he can get preferential treatment from any of his teammates. So he really pushes back anytime someone says this. The truth is Jeff Jackson has a lot of prior history with Chris Knobloch. He knows what he's about. And Chris Knobloch is an interesting personality. He's very calm in his demeanor. Um, You see it show up when you talk to him. He almost speaks in a whisper, but also in his decisions on the bench. Like when the team gets down, you never see him panic. But there's also this 
way about him where he understands the modern athlete and he does it through positivity. You know, I've talked to a lot of players who have played under Chris Knobloch, specifically in the AHL. He was coaching the Hartford Wolfpack. That's the Rangers top minor league affiliate before he got hired by the Oilers. And they would say like, if these guys had a bad game or they weren't playing well, Chris Knobloch would cut up tape of highlights of them doing really good things and goals and show it to them just to remind them of how good of a hockey player they were. And if you think about the fragile state that the Oilers locker room was in at the time that they fired Jay Woodcroft, doesn't this sound like the exact guy that you want to usher your team through? 100%. And and you mentioned some of the changes that he did make. Uh, What was the biggest difference in their play and how did the start of the Knobloch era go? So, Harry, the number one coach killer in the NHL forever is goaltending. If your goaltending doesn't show up, typically your job is on the line. And as I mentioned, that was the Oilers situation. So they bring Jack Campbell to the minors, and then all of the sudden, Stu Skinner starts playing a lot better. They also have Calvin Pickard. He's a longtime veteran backup. He kind of stabilized the net. So goaltending improved and the team improved. He also brought in a assistant head coach that a lot of hockey fans are familiar with. It's Paul Coffey, who's a Hall of Famer. And it's funny because if you ask anyone around the Oilers organization who's responsible for this new defensive structure, Paul Coffey will credit Chris Knobloch and Chris Knobloch will credit Paul Coffey. Either way, it's working. Um, I covered their game against Las Vegas recently and Bruce Cassidy is the coach. It was funny. He's like, I recognize that structure. It's the same one that I've been coaching for 15 years. It's really good. Bruce Cassidy is known as a guy that has such a good defensive structure that when he left Boston, the Boston Bruins kept it. Um, It's a 2-1-2 defensive zone system. It provides more of an aggressive forecheck and it's really helped the Oilers limit their defensive chances while creating some offense as well. And then Connor McDavid got healthy. I mentioned he was nursing an injury. We know in hockey, they're very, very uh, elusive about details. Upper body injury can mean anything from like a sprained pinky to broken ribs. But it's so clear when you watch Connor McDavid's play that he's dialed it up to the elite level that we expect of him. And all of these things together bring the Oilers back to a very good team. And they had an eight game win streak shortly after he came, then lost a few, which brings us to December 21st. The Oilers are 13, 15 and one playing on the road against the Devils, and then what happened? What happened is the Oilers get it all together and start playing dominant hockey. They go on a 16-game winning streak. They're winning every way possible. There were blowouts. And back over the 500 mark for Chris Knobloch's crew, 16-15-1, with a 5-0 dismantling of San Jose tonight. They would win in shootouts. Speeding in on Talbot, shoots and scores. And the Oilers win the shootout. They would win in overtime. Moving in with it. tight defensive contest. It was a fun one here at the Garden. 4-3 is your final. Edmonton able to win it over the Rangers. This looked like the team that we all expected in preseason. And all of a sudden, they're on verge of history of tying the Penguins, who set that record in 1992-93 for the longest win streak in the NHL. Emily, as a fellow Around the Horn panelist, you know we love giving credit or placing blame. Who in your mind deserves the credit for this turnaround? 
Uh, I'm going to have to give the cop out answer. I feel like Tony Reale is muting me as I speak, but <laughs> I think you have to give credit to the organization because the bones were all there. You know, the players are in place. The culture of winning is instilled just in the history of the organization. And you have the best players on the planet. They just needed that shake to the system, which is what they got. I think you do have to give credit to Chris Knobloch, who's been this calming presence, who's brought in the right X's and O's to push this team along. You've got to give credit to the star players for pushing through, again, even through injury, even through adversity, that now we have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl playing at that elite level. I just feel like this league, there's so many highs and lows. It's such a grind. And there are times where you feel like you can never win again. And that's Connor McDavid's quote. It's death by a thousand cuts. But all of a sudden, you just get one win and then you get two wins. And all of a sudden, you believe in yourself and you're like, we're a Stanley Cup contender again. But the 16-game win streak, it did all end in a all-too-familiar fashion, right? Yeah, so I was actually at that game. I was between the benches. They're playing the Vegas Golden Knights, who's not only the defending Stanley Cup champions, but the team that eliminated the Oilers in the playoffs last year. And it was such a good game. The guys were telling me that it felt like a playoff atmosphere in the middle of the regular season, which is tough because, again, it's an 82-game grind. Sometimes these games can blend together, but not this game. The hits were fierce. The chances were amazing. Aiden Hill, the Vegas Golden Knights goalie, stood on his head. And I was between the benches when the Golden Knights scored the empty net goal that sealed the win for them. They won 3-1. Final seconds tick off, and Vegas, a streak stopper tonight on home ice. The Oilers' winning streak ends at 16, one shy of matching the Penguins. And I watch Connor McDavid come to the bench and he raises his stick like he's about to slam it on the bench in frustration and then kind of pulls back and just gives it a tap. But you could tell how much that one meant to him. And then after the game in the locker room, he's pacing around and then he composes himself and goes back to his typical muted media way. But he says, I forgot how much I hated losing. And all of a sudden you think in your head, this team is back. Coming up, which version of the Oilers will show up this postseason? Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, 
They're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Despite the rough start, the offseason moves the Oilers made are clearly starting to pay off. How would you assess the job GM Ken Holland has done throughout this process? Harry, you're putting me in a tricky position. You're asking me to critique a Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, and like we always say, like future Hall of Famer. No, this guy is already in the museum as an architect for the Red Wings dynasty. And the other subtext to the season is it's been the biggest open secret in the NHL that this is Ken Holland's last year as general manager. His contract is up. He's probably going to go right off into the sunset. Maybe he stays on as an advisor or something like that. But he's ready to pass the torch. And so, you know, he wants to go out on a really high note. And he's been very aggressive with some of the moves that he's made to make sure that the Oilers have the best chance to win a Stanley Cup with Connor McDavid under his watch. He's had some misses. Um, you know, over the summer, he created cap space to sign Connor Brown. That's been a really big miss. Connor Brown has yet to score a goal in his first 44 games. But he's also made some really big swings. For like, for example, at last year's trade deadline, he gets Matthias Ekholm, this do-everything defenseman. He comes from Nashville, where, again, a smaller media market, maybe people didn't appreciate him as much. He's been a fantastic addition to the blue line. The Oilers also picked up Corey Perry when he was a free agent at midseason. He's going to be a massive factor in the playoffs. The thing about Ken Holland is he's not afraid to tweak this roster. And we're nearing the NHL trade deadline. It's on March 8th. And Ken Holland has made it clear to the rest of the leagues, I'm going to take some swings because I want impact players. Not just one impact player, but multiple impact players. If Jake Gensel's available, they're going after him. If Marc-Andre Fleury says he wants to get traded out of Minnesota, they might go after him. Another defenseman as well. They're not afraid to get rid of their first round pick. So my grade for Ken Holland right now would be incomplete because it clearly shows that he thinks he has work to get done to get Connor McDavid that cup. Emily, let's now look forward to where the Oilers are at now. Where do they stand in the wake of this win streak? So, Harry, they've made up a lot of ground since they began turning things around. And I credit it as right before Thanksgiving when they had an eight game win streak before this long one. They've won 28 of their 34 games, and that's good for the best point percentage of any team in the NHL. Basically, that brings them back to right where everyone thought they'd be to begin the season. As we record this, they push themselves into playoff position. They're in that third spot in the Pacific. Still three points behind the Vegas Golden Knights, but they do have three games in hand, and it feels like that's the team that they want to chase, given the history they have with them. Does the story of this Oilers team remind you of any other team that you've seen in recent history? You know, one of the players in the league pointed out to me that this feels a lot like the Blues team five years ago that won a Stanley Cup, where it was a veteran-laden team and all of a sudden their season just began terribly. And they fire the coach, which shocked everyone, and they bring in Craig Berube, and then they go on this run. And he said, it's kind of like when you face rock bottom and you see how bad it can be, it bonds you together, and then it galvanizes the group to the point where they're so tight, they're unbeatable. 
I think in some ways they remind me of that Blues team. They're also a different team because the Blues didn't have that game breaker like Connor McDavid. They had a stud goaltender in Jordan Bennington. Their collective team effort is what won them the Stanley Cup. And for the Edmonton Oilers, it feels like they just go as far as Connor McDavid can push him, but he needs a better cast around him. That is a promising comparison. And I guess, you know, with that said, what do their prospects look like moving forward as we proceed throughout the season here? As we record this, they have as good of a chance as the Stanley Cup as anyone. That said, this year has been marked by parody. I always have to clarify P-A-R-I-T-Y, not P-A-R-O-D-Y. But there's so many teams in the mix that have a good chance to win. Typically, the East has the strongest contenders, and that's not the case this year. The Florida Panthers have been really, really good. The Rangers and Bruins have been good. But it feels like the biggest threats are all in the West. I mentioned earlier that the Vancouver Canucks have been one of the surprise teams. They have the best record in all of the NHL. The Golden Knights are a team that you just can't sleep on. They're the defending cup champions. They haven't really been healthy in the middle of the season. If they get all their guys back, that's the team to beat for me. But the Stars, the Avalanche, the Jets, they're all really strong contenders. So the Oilers are going to go into the playoffs and probably have a super tough matchup in round one. But if you win the cup and you win it in a year like that, you feel like you really deserve it. Emily Kaplan, thank you for your expertise and knowledge, as always. Harry, thank you for doing that hockey. And I know this is your first episode. I kind of think you crushed it. You know, we're doing our best over here. So are the Oilers. (laughs) I'm Harry Lyles Jr. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.